All right, my loves, episode 61, Letting Your Desires Guide You in Love with Maria Palumbo. I met Maria a few years ago at an energy training, energy work training, and her her energy was so magnetic and so powerful. And I've started following her on Facebook and she really embodies shamelessness. Like she's so courageous around being who she is in the world. She is, she calls herself a coach for pleasure seekers. She does coach women. And in this episode, she not only tells her story and how she moved from being the good girl into now living a fully self-expressed life with two lovers. She's polyamorous. So we teach about that. We go into that. Kate asks her some really epic questions that you're probably all thinking while you're listening. And then Kate, <laughs> and then Kate asks them. And we really talk about what it takes for a woman to be devoted to all that she desires in love rather than what she thinks she should want want or what happens when you let your fears or your shame or your childhood patterns or your saboteur guide you. And we want to also give you a heads up that right as Maria starts to tell her story in the beginning, this is your trigger warning around sexual abuse. She doesn't go into details. We don't talk about it for too many, you know, for 20 minutes, but she does name it. And so we wanted to give you a heads up. Yes, it's such a powerful episode. And whether or not you have any desire for polyamory or not, this episode is for every woman because there's just such an unapologeticness to her nature. And she's so delightful. She's just like fierce warrior goddess, but so like <laughs> feminine and powerful playful. and playful and <laughs> and delightful. And like, you yeah. guys could, you can't see her obviously being on a podcast, but she's, I asked at the end if she was Italian, if she's Italian, which she is because she uses her hands so much when she talks, she's so passionate and it's so powerful. And, and, and what I took away from the episode, I'm going to listen to it 10 times. Like, I think it's one of my favorite episodes. Not, I think it is one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. And just the, just this conversation of giving us all permission to just keep following our truth, keep following our hearts, no matter how weird it might be, no matter how out of the norm, outside of the box, it might be like that we can really create a life that we love, no matter what it looks like. And it doesn't have to look like anybody else's. And she's living that so, so beautifully. And in such a like secure 10 year marriage, and then introduce this. And she tells the story of his experience. It's just profound. So, and we're going to go live with her in the Facebook, uh, Facebook group on Monday, March 8th, March 8th. Is that the date? at 11 Pacific, Maria will join us in the group and maybe her husband and her boyfriend will join us. So definitely after listening to this episode, get your bum over in the new truth movement, Facebook group. And remember that that is your space to let us know your thoughts about the episodes. Let us know what's happening for you. As you deepen in this podcast, you send us private messages all the time, letting us know how this podcast is changing your life. And we created the group. So you would all have each other, you know, we really are committed to this space and having a space of permission giving and celebrating your stories and celebrating all the ways in which you break the rules. And it's really powerful hearing Maria's story and also the practice of what it, how much courage it really takes. Yeah. You know, Kate and I have always talked about that the path to living the new paradigm, detoxing the old one is no joke, right? 
coming up against all the ways you have repressed parts of yourself, you have silenced yourself, all the ways in which you've been lying to yourself. I mean, it, this episode is also confronting, but in the like juiciest, calmest, cutest kind way that the three of us really invite you into the space and share all three of us share our own stories about releasing the good girl and what it's taken for each of us to be committed to a life that we love. Yes. And like, you're going to want to be in the Facebook group and ask questions for this Facebook live. You're not going to want to miss it because I guarantee you after watching this ep- listening, watching <laughs> after listening to this episode, you are going to have questions. I had like 10 million. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't even ask all the questions because of course the life that she's leading is so unconventional. And it's so, it's so exciting. Once you like crack open, there's just never ending questions of, of what it looks like and what the journey has been like for her. So definitely write your questions down and join us next Monday on the Facebook group and enjoy the episode. Enjoy the episode. Hi, you're listening to Kate and Catherine, and we're going to show you how to find your Prince Charming so that you can finally live happily ever after <laughs> forever and ever. No, no, <laughs> no, we are definitely not going to do that. We are sick of that story and it's a lie. It is a lie. You're listening to the new truth, a modern woman's guide to extraordinary love. We are going to show you how the fairy tale love story stops you from experiencing the love you truly desire. Listen to hear how to break free from sacrifice and struggle in relationship. And learn the new truth about love in a way that you've never heard it before. We're so happy you're here. Keep listening. All right, so when I think of Maria Palumbo, I think of a woman who one is the most unapologetic about not giving a fuck about what other people think Hmm. and the most unapologetic about letting herself receive all that she desires. Hmm. And Hmm. we are so happy to have you on the podcast. I cannot wait for everyone to hear your message. Thank you for being with us today. I have such a big smile on my face. I'm so excited (laughs) to be here. Thank you. I love that intro. And we're going to just dive right in because your story is epic. This is an episode about letting your desires guide you in love. And so let's dive right in with the first stirring of your desires in your life and how you've ended up where you are. I love that. Um, So I think I was raised to be a good girl where I would um, do the right thing, be a a loving Christian, put other people before myself. I was in the youth ministry. I was a youth leader. I was traveling across the, like the world doing work for God and um, being very modest, very careful to not show my shoulders, um, dancing at church. You know, I really felt like I was on the right path. I didn't realize that was to earn back my goodness, like earn back grace because I went through childhood abuse and like pain in my childhood. I didn't know that I, part of me was like, oh, let me do the right thing because then I can be worthy of love. I could be worthy of acceptance. I could be worthy of kindness. So I was on this path of doing the right thing, doing the right thing. It led me 
this relationship, I'm, I'm just going to tell you all the things, which I tell my clients and I share with my clients as well. It led me to this relationship with the youth pastor when I was a teenager that really robbed of my sense of self hmm. and robbed me of confidence in who I was. I felt like a, um, almost like a blow up sex doll, which kind of happens mm. when people go through sexual abuse where mm. my entire identity was for somebody else. Uh. And in that I had this, like, I had this breakthrough through my breakdown, but I had to break down first. And the breakdown looked like depression. It looked like an eating disorder. It looked like um, trying to do what other people wanted me to do and not being able to do it and feeling like a failure. And I decided, like, I heard a voice inside of me that was like, okay, you're not meant to die. Like you're meant to be here. You're meant to heal yourself and you're meant to pass on what you learn about your sex. Like your sex is holy. Never, ever think for one second that that man or anybody could rob you of the power of your sex. You know, so like I felt that energy inside of me and I started getting help. And when I started saying yes to help, to therapy, to coaching, like that's when I decided that I was going to really trust that I was meant to be here instead mm -hmm. of deny it or resist it. And that's been my journey ever since healing myself simultaneously as my clients heal, like passing on what I know about my sex and about my body. So other people can connect deeper to who they are and trust who they are, despite whatever has happened. And actually because of what's happened as well. Hmm. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing so vulnerably. I imagine the, that that story um, deeply was felt by everyone listening. And um, I know a lot of women have been through different forms of sexual abuse. And I think really most women, because, you know, when, when hasn't a woman said yes, when her body said no, like there's just, cause we just weren't set up for success. So thank you for sharing so openly and reminding the women listening that no matter what you've been through, that there is healing on the other side of it. There's so much on the other side of, um, of actually going into the pain and being able to heal that trauma. That's right. It, it requires a leaning into the pain yes. instead of ignoring it or pretending that it's okay because yes. pretending it's okay turns into eating disorders or turns into like being married to a person I don't want to be married to or being in a relationship, but you know, like that's the trying to make it okay. Yeah. But in the healing, it's like saying yes to the pain, saying yes to the mess, saying yes to feeling like a, like a fuck up essentially and learning how do I love myself while feeling broken? How do I create my life based upon what I want instead mm -hmm. of me trying to earn back my kindness or love from other people. Yes. Well, there's the answer to what real self-love actually is. And mm -hmm. I found, I've found myself saying this last night, because in my experience, you can't love yourself if you don't love your past, mm -hmm. right? Like love happens on the days when I feel fucked up on the days when I don't feel all that loving on the days when I have said something horrible to my husband on the days <laughs> when I've made a mistake with a client, right. Or didn't, didn't follow through on something because we, I think perpetuated in personal development sometimes is still a seeking of perfection mm -hmm. that there will be one day when I perfectly love myself or I perfectly get it all right. Right. Like that yeah. voice of what is the right thing to do for me, learning how to let go of that is what guided me to following my truth. I actually had to start there. And it sounds like that's maybe a little part of your journey. Like I have to name the good girl in me 
and love the shit out of her and love mm. the ways that she shows up in order to find the unapologetic woman. What yes. would you say about that? Yes. I love the way that you put that. Yeah. And I love the examples that you give that self-love is about leaning into the mess that is now instead of cleaning it up first. Like, oh, I'll let love in when I feel better or when my trauma is healed or mm-hmm. like right. when I'm the perfect weight or when I move yeah. or, you know, like it's about letting love in now. Yeah. Yes. Like and loving ourselves in. through that pain. Yeah. And, and yeah. not and as much as it's really hard to do, like, what does it mean to love myself in the pain? And what I'm realizing that it's so simple, like it's so utterly simple. It's like asking for help and yes. it's slowing down and it's saying no, when I feel like compulsively, like I want to say yes, mm-hmm. it's going back and saying, wow, my yes was really a no. And having to clean that up. It's like cleaning up the messes that I make instead of like living as a victim, like, oh my God, I made a mess. Like, what am I going to do? I don't deserve anything. (laughs) May all women learn that they're allowed to change their mind. (laughs) Like if you, like the practice isn't getting it right every time the practice is going in and checking in and then doing what you just said. Oh, I actually meant no. Mm-hmm. It was actually a no, but I said, yes, I feel like Kate, you and I do that. Like, Hey, I, I said, well, I could do this time. Actually, I can't or way I'm not feeling well today. I can't record like being able to give ourselves grace. And I appreciate that you've used that word so much, even mm-hmm. in sharing of your story, like the, the worthy and deserving of grace and compassion. And mm. when I think of my work in reparenting, like that's the beginning of healing to become the parent that you've always needed. And a parent that's unconditionally loving a parent that's not afraid of your mess and not afraid of your mistakes and not afraid of your pain and not afraid of your huge, amazing feelings. <laughs> mm. I love so. that. And I think by not being afraid, like you teach, you pass on to your children, like it's, it's okay. to love yourself right it's important to love yourself right now I actually had this vision of me when I'm a parent like sitting with my child while they're crying and like helping them delight and like in the crying and like really feel it and and turning off the rest of the world and just like feeling what it's like to cry and and Mm. knowing that it's okay instead of like like swallowing it and pushing it down just really really being with it I feel like that's what you're saying is making space for what is instead of what we think should be yeah, because we get so swept away by the story about the pain. And that's why that's what keeps putting gasoline on the fire. And it's that really? our feelings become so unmanageable because we're stuck in this story. But when you allow yourself to actually go through the feelings and feel them fully, and of course, reach out for support in it if you need to be. I mean, I, I'm interpersonal, so I need that's just how I process. So, like, I had something really big come up this week, and Catherine my divine angel helped me through it. Mm. And, and because I know like I can only get so far on my own, I need that external to be able to talk through it and get the clarity that I need. And then I go into just feeling the feelings fully and allowing them to be there as long as they're there. And when we can separate story from feeling, your feelings move so much quicker. Like you move through them like little kids do. They have the temper tantrum. And then when the tantrum's over, they're back to giggling and playing again. I love that. And, and actually for me, it, it can be, it's definitely not always the, the easiest thing. It can be terrifying to really feel the weight 
of something? Like yes. if I lean full in, will I lose myself? Will I lose mm-hmm. my marriage? Will I, like, if I actually feel what I feel, is it safe? Um, is it safe for me to feel what I feel? Or um, what's interesting is like my judgment of the feelings is worse than the actual feeling. Like the yes, judgment totally. that we give ourselves, like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this. I shouldn't feel depressed. Or I shouldn't feel down. I should always be feeling in my immaculate, like joy, <laughs> wanting to talk and connect to everybody. But that's just not reality. So my love for myself is saying yes to feeling really bad and giving myself space to do that. And what does that look like without numbing, without shutting it down? I feel like as a society, we're, we don't really know exactly what that looks like. And for me, it's so simple. It's like crying or hitting a pillow or like writing it out or like dancing it out. Things that I used to do as a, a kid, essentially. And like when I remember those things, it helps me come back awake. Yeah. Back alive. Beautiful. So here you are with a boyfriend and a devoted ten husband of ten years, right? Yes. Like, let's hear about the love story <laughs> and how you got there. Like, <laughs> we just went from zero to a hundred. Like, what was the journey? <laughs> oh, it was a journey. Um, I shall take you on that journey. Um, so, yeah, I think. Ever since I was a teenager, I had the capacity, I always knew I had the capacity to love deeply and to love more than one person. And it kind of looked like having a crush on brothers at the same time, or like, even though I didn't date two, I never dated two people at once until I realized I was polyamorous. I just had this energy of, I think I'm meant to love more than one person at the same time in a, in a similar way, in a romantic way. But there was a lot of shame around that. There was a lot of fear around that there was a lot of guilt I was raised in a specific way that love looks a specific way like if it doesn't work you get a divorce and you go find your other one like go find your one everybody has this one and it better work and if it doesn't work there's something wrong with you <laughs> you're shaking your head gathered you're like yeah this is the new truth podcast everyone's probably shaking their head as, as I mean, they, they also know the one is right here so <laughs> stop looking for that one because there is not one person but, right yes. it's within totally. it's, this is so cool though that so you had like this feeling inside of you even when you were young yeah when wow. I was in high school totally I was like it, it, why do I feel connected to more than one person or why am I feeling or thinking like why, mm. when I fall in love with one person, do I still feel deeply connected to and drawn to someone else too, that the light doesn't just shut off for me. Cause mm. I was like, Oh, everybody's lights are able to shut off and like romantically, or how do they do that? They don't want that. And they just do this. And so for the majority of my life, I was monogamous. I practiced monogamy. I did it pretty well. I was very devoted. Um, kind of lost myself in a little bit of codependency and, and went through a lot of patterns of losing myself, finding myself. And when I met my husband, it was the first time in my life that I decided I'm not going to put a person before myself. I'm not mm-hmm. going to put a relationship before myself. I'm going to grad school. This is the most important thing to me is being in grad school, doing really well, excelling, like focusing there. And of course, when I had that energy, that's when Steve popped up and Steve's like this perfect, fun, loving, incredible human being. And I knew in my heart, I can't deny myself the way that I denied myself before. So something had to change. Um, so when we started dating, wait, I, is, wait, 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 is Steve your husband? husband. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Steve is my husband. 
Um, if you follow me on Facebook, you'll see a lot of Steve. I talk about him so much. Um, so yeah, so I started dating Steve and my demons of like chaos came up of jealousy of, um, uh, wanting to destroy, wanting to sabotage, um, because I'd never been in a healthy relationship before. And this is one of the things that I love to do with my clients is being like teaching how to be in a healthy relationship and actually receive the thing that we want, because that's when a lot of the patterning and trauma can come up when we feel safe. Like I had memories come up with him that I never had before. Like I was able to like dive into a whole other world of safety that I never experienced, which took therapy. It took journaling. It took like a lot of support to be able to be in that relationship. And even though it was literally the best thing that I ever had ever, and um, it was so um, nourishing. There came to be a, a, a spot where I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, we're allowed to say fuck, I guess. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. we say fuck. <laughs> Let's say whatever you want to say. <laughs> okay, excellent. Um, I, I was like, I'm starting to fall for somebody else. And here's that pattern again. And at this time, I felt really safe and in a healthy relationship where I actually went to Steve. And I said, look, I'm having these deep feelings for someone else. At the time, I didn't know what polyamory was. I didn't actually really know the word. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that it was a concept, but I, I think it was in my early mid-20s. I think it was in my mid-20s. I'm 35 now. So it was like towards the beginning of our relationship when we moved in. And I told him, Steve, is there any possible way that I could be with him and you? Is it, is it possible? And he was absolutely no. And I was like, I know this is ridiculous. I'm just pie in the sky. So I stopped talking to my friend went through a severe heartbreak, um, mm. ignored him, hurt him too, in a way. Um, he went through his own heartbreak. And it wasn't until years later was I like, hmm, I'm really happy in this relationship. I'm so happy. Am I allowed to deepen and find more happiness? Mm. Like, even though I'm so happy and it's, it's really so nourishing and so grounding and Steve is so fun and just so easy to be with, like this person is just such a doll on every single level. There's a part of me that's not fully satisfied. And because I had this not like um, guilt around this piece of not feeling fully satisfied, I went about it in a dirty way to like get my satisfaction. And I had an affair and it was the first time and last time in my whole entire life that I will ever do something like that. It's probably like when I think back in my life and I'm like, Oh, what's something that I'm, I'm really ashamed of at that. It's mm. like, that was when I actually heard my body saying, no, like I heard my heart screaming, no, like this isn't healthy. This isn't right. But I had to do it for, for me and for our relationship, honestly, because it, it broke the shell of our relationship down into something that and helped reveal what was actually underneath. And there was parts of our relationship that were broken. So the affair kind of shone a light on the broken pieces of the marriage. So then we had to get our hands dirty and start creating and repairing a marriage that actually worked better for the both of us, even though on paper, we were happy, we were beautiful, very peaceful, but there was just pieces missing of, for example, like, daddy child dynamics that I wasn't in consent about, you know, like there was things happening that I was falling into that the, the, the affair just like, 
blew everything up and they're like, you can't ignore these things anymore. Otherwise this relationship isn't going to exist. Oh my God. I just heard the words, the divine affair. It's like, because it's that's hmm. the divine intervention. It's the, it's the rupture that needed to happen for you to deepen your relationship. And ultimately an affair happens because of a dynamic of two people. It's not one person looks way worse on paper, but it's actually the dynamic of the relationship that creates that experience. So it's like, yeah, divine. Ooh, I love that. Divine affair. Divine affair. That's gorgeous. That might be a future program. Yeah. <laughs> I might have to. You can take it. I've never wow, had an affair, you. so it's yours, baby. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. But yeah, so, oh, so broke Steve's heart and broke my own heart. And um, there was a point where this is an interesting piece because I feel like I'd like to put like in a little um, side note for coaching. There was a piece where I thought, I actually said out loud, I'd rather get sick and die, honestly, instead of have to face the truth and be honest with him. Like, I'd rather get cancer. I'd rather do like, and I was putting this out into the universe, canceling that, even to say it, totally canceling yes. that now. It's not, you know, it's not real. It's not happening. But as I, I decided to see coaching instead, and my coach helped me see that you can't lie. You can't lie to yourself. You can't hold this in your system. Like this denies your very fabric of your being. So about three or four months, the hardest four months of my life, I held in that secret. And then after four months, I started talking to Steve. And that is when um, we just had to face, we had to face a whole new reality where we were afraid for our relationship. We were afraid that we weren't going to be able to be together anymore. And I encouraged him to get into therapy with me, with me. I was, you know, I was just like, we must do this in order to save this relationship. Like, why don't we do this? He was a yes to that, even though he was a no to what happened. He was kind of a no to me. He was a yes to looking at repair. And that's the thing that really saved our relationship is exquisite, exquisite therapy that we decided to do. And through that therapy, we came to the conclusion that I'm actually polyamorous. We work with a polyamorous specialist, someone that specializes in different forms of sexuality and relationship. Wow. And um, Steve also recognized that he wanted to be with me and he wanted to embrace polyamory. And he also wanted to experience polyamory for himself, that he felt that he too wanted to live in that, um, in that new relationship configuration. And so we built a whole new relationship from scratch. Wow. And how long ago was that? That was about was that four years ago now, four years. Wow. Yeah. I'm just taking in. There is so much and I really appreciate your vulnerability and mm. your willingness to tell the truth. Because when I think of, I mean, matters of the heart, you know, I'm working with codependent love addicted, right? We, we're the new truth podcast. We're talking about the old paradigm of love that actually builds shame. Inside the old yes. paradigm, yeah. if you don't do it right and play by the rules, and if you have de desires outside the lines, you're bad and wrong. Yes. And then women hold all of that pain and think they're bad and wrong. Even, I mean, inside the old paradigm, you better not be attracted to anyone other than your partner. You might not yeah. desire polyamory, but that's still the rules, right? God forbid you flirt. God forbid you're alive with other men in a safe and respectful way. But we all, we all start tampering everything down mm. and partnered with that, you know, 
most people are not having real marriages where they Mm -hmm. come to their partner and say, this is how I'm feeling. And this is what I'm sitting with. And I haven't actually even shared this publicly, but one of the most powerful conversations Andrew and I have ever had was actually about getting a divorce. Mm. Our relationship became real only when we were willing to unhook the dependency that existed within it. Mm. And your relationship is only real when the dependency is unhooked. And then you get that you're making a commitment because most marriages fall apart because I made the vow, but now we're just chilling. I'm not ever challenging the marriage. I'm not ever bringing myself fully because I don't want to lose it. But then we wonder where passion goes. And <laughs> it's not, yeah. ma- it's not um, what, like, what's the word? It's not a magic, you know, that, relationships stay and work the magic is in the willingness to be real yeah (laughs) and your courage and his courage right want to send steve some love you know and and the willingness to have your heart broken over and over like i mean that's it your partner is gonna break your heart my heart breaks every time i hurt him and i do because i Mm. act out in my trauma and he's hurt me right when he's been Mm. i mean my husband's been sick the things that he said to me from inside pain and sickness were not things that you want to hear. Mm. And the willingness to repair, repair has to happen over and over and over mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And I respect your marriage so much. And we can respect the relationships that are real. The people that are going deep and doing the digging and bringing all of their insecurities and doubt. Because now we're feeding the story with the old paradigm of if I just do enough personal development work, if I just Mm -hmm. do enough relationship programs, then I'll be ready for love. Rather Mm -hmm. than can I be willing to love who I am right now and all of my past mistakes and all of my insecurities and my doubt and let someone love me like this. And this Mm. is the new paradigm you grow through relationship, whether that's getting a divorce and actually leaving, or that's opening up and becoming polyamorous or getting your own apartment when you've lived together for five years is, was my story. Like there's the, the, to me, the, the, the biggest piece here is like, you get to have it all. Like you actually get to have it all. This episode is all about desires and love and how Mm. we only like, we think the world limits us, but it's our own inner limitations that keep us so small and keep us so miserable and so anxious and so depressed and so repressed Mm. from our truth and how fucking powerful and beautiful that you didn't go to a therapist who has biases against polyamory, but you ended up working with a specialist and, and having someone, all we need is someone to reflect. That's what this podcast is all about. Permission It's just like someone reflecting some other possibility and giving you permission to make a new choice that goes against the grain of what most people are doing. And Mm -hmm. most people in relationship aren't truly happy because they're not having these honest conversations. They're not bringing themselves fully. My friend, a dear friend of mine in Los Angeles, Marla Mattinson, have you ever heard of her? Um, Mm. She works with entrepreneurial couples and she, uh, I'm pretty sure her book was released a couple of years ago, but it's called Exquisite Honesty. And I love that you use the word exquisite too, but it's like, that's the key to a thriving relationship is exquisite honesty, but doesn't feel good in the middle of it. You got to move through it. You got to be like, obviously it can bring up a lot of pain. I can only imagine the pain that Steve would have felt like having to face that like, holy shit, breaking down all the paradigms within himself 
to, and like his love for you, how deep his love for you must, must run for him to be willing to grow in this way. And then this is a new paradigm relationship because it's growth-based. You're evolving together. You're not dying together. Like the old paradigm is like, okay, we're all, we're going to age and decay together and like cut off all the parts of ourselves and just be comfortably miserable versus like thriving in, in following your own truth. Like how fucking cool. Wow. <laughs> I love hearing everything that you both share. That's really, <laughs> wow. I'm just, it feels really good to be here. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, the death, there's a death that happens all of the time in relationship and it's, it's a constant thing and I can't fear it. If I fear the death of the old, well, then I don't get to keep growing and we will die. Like the relationship will die. We've come to many times where we're like, do we want to do this? Is this the best thing? Is this, there's always been this grounding energy of we're willing to work. Yes. I've never been afraid of work and he's never been afraid of work either. I think maybe even because of me, he might even say, cause I'm so passionate about self-development. I feel like anything can be created if we're willing to create it essentially, yes. but we had to be willing to face the pain. It's painful to notice what's not working. I can't talk to you like that. You can't talk to me like that. What's, uh, why am I going about getting my needs met in an unhealthy way? Before I had the affair, I actually sat down with him. I think I sat down with him with a therapist and I said, guess what? I think I might be polyamorous. I want to go do this thing with this guy. I hope that's okay. And he was like, absolutely not. Because we were still playing out that dynamic of, mm -hmm. hey, daddy, can I do this? And he's like, no, you can't. You shouldn't do that. And I'm like, so what am I going to do? I, I became the rebel. And right. it, we had to go through that rebellious, weird dynamic. And still, it still can come up now if we're tired, like if we're grocery shopping and we're tired, even though we haven't grocery shopped together during COVID that much, but he might start making decisions. And we're learning how to kind of be with each other in these dynamics without blowing up the relationship, but correcting mm -hmm. it and also making space for being, it's okay if someone takes care of the other person a little bit or like decides what's happening for dinner, like it's okay. I'm not losing myself anymore. However, mm -hmm. I still need to be careful about making sure that I am speaking up and being um, directive when I have a need or when I'm feeling something instead of hiding it in order to make it seem easier, make the relationship flow better. Yeah. Um, I, I, I also love that you said um, like the death of relationships and that and that you keep coming back to that place. Like, is this still working? And that is so fucking important. Catherine and I talked about that on the, an episode, we did a two-part episode a long time ago called breakups and breakthroughs, but like that often people are afraid to even have that conversation, but that conversation is so important because otherwise you have complacency. If you're not checking in, we also did an episode at the beginning with my, one of my besties, um, called, um, with Kelsey called, um, Fuck, fuck the, rules, the rules, make your own, <laughs> fuck the rules, that. make your own. And, and it was basically about like our idea of marriage of like it being like a car lease where every four years you're like, okay, do we want to renew another term? Like how, instead of being like forever, we're just going to complacently, you know, hang out together instead of actually like, wait, how are you feeling? What's really going on for you? What are your true desires that you're ignoring right now? What are mine? This is next level. I mean, I'm certainly nowhere near what you're doing in your life, but I'm so freaking inspired by it. your ability. I feel like I've learned more and more and more over the last 10 years, how to follow my truth, but it's like, 
this is the next level. It's so inspiring. Next level. Yeah. That sounds so official. (laughs) I love that. I'd like to ask about that actually, Maria, because there, everyone has their own flavor of how do I find my yeses and nos, Mm. right? Like if we're doing, I mean, I'm doing trauma work and that kind of overwhelm, like follow your truth or what's your intuition. Like that's a freeze response for many people. Like, I don't even know what the fuck that means. Mm -hmm. And that was like where I was like deep in my love addiction. All I was convinced was I needed Jamie or I was going to (laughs) die. Like that, that's all I could think about. And so I'm curious, because even hearing you like the two questions and you can answer them in whatever order um, is like, what, how might someone begin to know that they're designed for polyamory? Like that feels like a really important question. And then two, what's the beginning of a woman for you discovering her yeses and nos? Because even in this conversation about the way you and Steve were at the grocery store, I mean, Andrew and I are designing a house together. Talk about consent. Mm. What's important (laughs) to you? What's important to me? How do we navigate when we're actually not in agreement on something and holding space for each person's desires? And when we have a whole culture set up for women to not have desires and only desire a ring and a wedding and not even know if their husband gives a shit about how they feel. That's like the last thing on the list I'm watching (laughs) half the Mm. time. I'm really curious for you, like what would me say to these women who are listening? And it's like, still, I don't even know what my yeses and nos are. I don't know what's a yum or a yuck uh, for me in my life. Like, how do you support women in navigating that for them? Mm, that's a great question. I love both of these questions. Um, I'll start with your second question. <sighs> a lot of um, like the core of the work that I do is like what I just did, like exhale, helping women slow down, Mm. really being with the sensations of the body. Um, It's so easy to like ignore and intellectualize like, okay, this is the type of relationship I want to have. This is this. And we're so used to bypassing body sensations of danger or of openness of desire or of shutdown. A lot of like in the beginning of the work that I do with women, a lot of times we don't even know, women don't even know what, what does turn on mean? Is it safe to be turned on? I'm turned on too much. I'm turned on when I don't want to be turned on or I'm not turned on when I should be turned on. Like there's like this energy of not being able to connect to the body. So I would say the first thing to do is to really slow down and to be with the body. Like, what is my body saying? My mouth is saying yes, but my body is kind of saying no. And what does no mean? No for me might mean like a clenching in my stomach. And like my heart feels like someone's holding it down. Like I can't, I can't fully breathe or take a breath. For me, my no is my throat feels tight. It's like a little tight. And my no can feel really small. But, but like all those sensations that are happening, my work is to slow down and be with those sensations as long as I possibly can and own them, like really own them, which might mean I don't know how to answer in a conversation. I don't know what my answer is. It might mean, I don't know, like for you, Catherine, might mean I don't know exactly how I want the walls to be painted right now. And like allowing ourselves to not know and be with uncertainty for as long as humanly possible. Mm. I feel like if I could like, but in a nutshell, what I do with, with women is, sitting as much as we can in the unknown, in the uncertainty, without judging it, without making it 
right or making it wrong, just really sitting with and being in all of the sensations because the more that we do, like the more the truth reveals itself, the more that I'm with my body, not bypassing my body or bypassing my true hunger, like the more that I understand what my hunger actually is, but I have to slow down to even know what is the sensation of hunger in my body, literally, emotionally, sexually, what, what does that even mean? And then not make myself wrong for whatever comes up, whatever sensation it is like, wow, I'm having the sensation of no, or I'm having the sensation of yes. And letting that be okay. Beautiful. That's so amazing. I love that so much. And as you're describing that, I was just thinking something that I hear clients say a lot. And I'm like, Oh, I never used that word before, but I really like it. Is it's just like, they're like, there's this little niggle. And often when it's a little niggle, it's like, that's like, so I feel like for the you and polyamory, it was like, that kind of never left you. It was like this little niggle, but of course your mind will use practicality and logic and reason and whatever to talk yourself out of the little niggles, but those little niggles, when, when it's a truth, it doesn't, it doesn't go away. Like they keep coming. That's why they're niggle. Like it's kind of, it's cute word, but it's kind of like annoying, like, damn, the niggles back. But the niggle is that like truth that doesn't go away. Right. And if I'm, if I'm making myself feel ashamed for that, or if I'm telling myself a story about that feeling, it's really hard to trust it. So it's my work to hire people, to get the support, to talk to the women, to talk to my friends, to make sure that I I can trust those sensations as much as I possibly can. um, And know that it's not wrong that I like right after I got married, I was like, Oh, shit, what am I gonna have to like fold laundry every day and and all of a sudden, (laughs) like buy China like I, I didn't know. And I'm like, I, that's not what I want. I'm like, what did I just get myself into? I love this person, but I don't love this idea of what I think marriage should be. No one in my life showed me what marriage should be. My parents divorced, you know, like I knew in my heart that I was going to, to do therapy, to take care of myself and my relationship. I wasn't going to end in divorce, even though divorce is not the end all, like it's not the worst thing, but I knew in my body that I'm like, nope, like we're going to figure out a way to like grow together instead of grow apart. And I've been doing that. And I think that's what I would say is how do you know if you're polyamorous? It's knowing like, are you, are you willing to create a life that's based upon more on what you're wanting right now, as opposed to what you feel like you should want. And polyamory kind of falls into that, which is if I'm feeling this deep feeling of love and connection, and I know that it doesn't feel like I'm not using it to hide. I'm not using it because I'm bored. I'm not, I'm not hiding my love addiction in it or I'm not hiding my sexuality through it or addiction to whatever through it. Or but commitment really, issues. Commitment issues. <laughs> but I'm like, I, I, commit, I call myself like polymonogamous because I'm like, I love to commit. It's like, I love you. Let's commit. Let's create life <laughs> together. I want to meet your family. This is so good. Um, which is kind of rare maybe in the polyamory world. I feel like I'm, creating like a new concept in polyamory a little bit by what I do. But um, yeah, like if you're feeling called to really deepen and grow with more than one person, knowing that it's not out of shame, it's not out of, well, let me fix this relationship with this person. Yes. Like, let me go outside of my marriage because something's unhealthy. There was a time where we closed our relationship, Steve and I, and we stopped dating other people because we we're like, oh shit, are we still enjoying our sex life? No. Well, let's make sure we're enjoying our sex life instead of using other people. 
to get our needs met. And that's not polyamory. So you're so self-aware in and noticing when your patterns are taking the polyamorous wheel as opposed to your soul. This is so beautiful. Oh my gosh. I have so many things that I want to say, but I'm so curious now about this boyfriend. So, so since you've been polyamorous, Mm -hmm. have you just had one boyfriend or have you had multiple or like, what's that? Tell us that part. Um, I dated quite a bit when I became polyamorous. It's almost like, you know, if you don't eat and then all of a sudden you realize how hungry you are. And sometimes you might be able to eat too much. Like they tell you, don't go food shopping when you're hungry. Cause you're just like, Oh, I want all these things. <laughs> That's kind of what I was doing in the beginning, beginning of polyamory. I was kind of living out my, my troubled or regressed adolescence because trauma hit me during my adolescence. I wasn't able to fully experience my sexuality. So I kind of became the good girl in, in long-term relationship and tried to protect people from my true sex, myself or my true sex. So the beginning of polyamory, I was like, oh, I can have sex. Oh my God. I was just kind of, I moved a little quickly with people and I was a little gratuitous and I, you know, I, I connected to people that maybe I wouldn't connect to now in, in the same way. And I needed to go through that adolescence a bit, that surge of adolescence yeah. in an ethical way where I was protected, where I was talking to my husband, where we were like everything was as ethical as it could be. But because I did that, I know now that I actually, my goal in polyamory, my heart is like, oh, what feeds me and just brings so much joy is like creating a life with someone, is loving someone deeply more than one person. Wow. So no, I didn't meet my boyfriend <laughs> right away. Um, I was dating other people, trying to make it work. I think I was attracting people that brought up a lot of shame in me because I was still a little bit ashamed by how I got into polyamory. The affair was kind of blasted through my mind. Like, oh, I'm a bad person. I'm a bad person. So when I did polyamory, I think, or when I practiced it, I was attracting people that would reflect my badness mm. um, because I hadn't yet fully embraced and received the healing that I needed to receive in order to love other people, to really love other people. So it took me a few years of dating people that reflected my shame a bit, even though there was a lot of beauty, there was a lot of pain and also um, doing therapy for myself, coaching, studying about relationship, reading a lot about relationship. I got um, a really powerful mentor. I worked with her a little bit. Um, she's a co-author of The Ethical Slut, Janet Hardy. Mm. Um, she's incredible. She, and she helped me really get that there doesn't have to be shame that is fueling my relationships with other people. Like this can actually be a beautiful, holy, incredible thing. Like you don't, even if your parents don't believe it, even if society isn't showing you that this is normal, this is actually can be your normal. Yes. As I started leaning into that, I think I started attracting people more in my vibration and my boyfriend, um, he, he actually reached out to me in the beginning of quarantine when I couldn't see him. And he just sent me this gorgeous letter, just say, like getting me on every single level. Like I see who you are in your work. I see who you are in community. I'm in your community. You don't know me, but like, I, I just can't believe who you are. And I would love, like, love to get to know you. He said it in such gorgeous language that I was just like, who is this human who is getting me on every level? And that's what I was calling in. After my last breakup, before my current boyfriend, I wrote it, like wrote it, something down and put it on the wall. And what I wrote down was polyamory is going to enrich me. Like people are really going to get uh, me, not my sex. Uh, they're not going to be attracted to me and want to fuck me. They're actually going to want to love me 
and that that was on my wall. And then he reached out to me and we had this really beautiful, intense, like distant connection and then started connecting when it became safe to get together in person. And we've been together for a year. We're about to celebrate our year anniversary. Actually. Wow. That's so amazing. <laughs> and I just realized we never even defined polyamory. There's probably, I'm sure they've already Googled it by now, but there's going to be, because like, I think that to me, my understanding is that that having the deeper relationships is more that polyamory, you know, swingers and open relationships is more about sexual, whereas polyamory is more about the emotional, like sexual is included, but it's more relational. Is that true? Polyamory is for me and other people might define it differently, which is really interesting. Um, But for me, polyamory is yes, having more than one love. And that is is simply the definition as well, more than one love. Amory, poly Amory, um, Amory being love. Yeah. Right. I, I'm a polyamorous emotionally, I think, because I just fall in love with people everywhere I go. <laughs> totally. And I, <laughs> I love that. And I think we, we're actually, we have that capacity to love and to desire many different ways. And in yeah. polyamory, the idea is you can actually create and um, uh, design it's like relationship by design instead of relationship by compulsion or mm. relationship by should. Uh, that's why I really love polyamory. And now my boyfriend, excuse me, my husband actually has a girlfriend. They've been together for like four or five months now. I love her. Like she's adding to my what? life in so many ways. Oh my God. She's incredible. And um, she's like, a, it's like a sister. She, it's incredible having this person in my life. Like I love it. And so wait, oh, this is so wild. It's mind blowing. And I do, I know a lot of polyamorous people over the years from Encinitas and Boulder and um, the the hubs of polyamory, but I, I, it's just so fun going deep into your story. Like how I'm so curious. So like, do you have dinners where you're all together and like, you have, oh, all, yeah. both have do you have separate bedrooms then at home? Like, how does that work? I love this. I love the technical questions because that's, that's where our heads go, right? Like how do, how do we, how does this even work? Um, so Steve and I live together. We're married and like our finances are connected and I've been with in relationship him the longest. So we have, he's called my nesting partner, which means we create life in that way. We live together. We're roommates. Then he has a girlfriend who lives separately um, and I have a boyfriend who, who just moved out into his own place. So he lives on, hi, on his own and we all go to our respective partners' houses and stay. And sometimes we have our partners over, but I it won't be home. Usually if he's like connecting with someone, if he's connecting with his girlfriend or connecting with someone in the house, usually he's not home. We haven't really done a lot of overlap sexually, but it's definitely like we have done that a bit, which brings me a lot of joy and a lot of happiness. But right now, our focus right now is developing our relationship separately, making sure they're grounded and stable before wow. we kind of bring them together because it can be intimidating. I'm getting now like to be my boyfriend or like oh, whoever else to be with me and my husband. It's it's a whole other thing, you know, so we do do dinners together. We do, we played soccer together last weekend, me or a couple weekends ago, me, Nick, my boyfriend and Steve, like at, at, at a park near Nick, like we do a lot of things together, but we don't do everything together, but we still have, we still build community. And that's the beauty of polyamory is it's like, it's a bigger family. My vision in the future, if this happens is even having 
children with more than one person like and the children loving each other and taking care of each other and creating just this incredible huge family of people that Mm. are there to support each other and are going through life because I honestly feel like the more that we have love the more support that we have as well yes this feels like it needs to be a movie I'm so, I feel so honored and, and I feel like I can see all these women with their mouths dropped, like listening to to this podcast and, you know, something that I've been, I've been passionate about love forever. And for me, why, and I don't know if you knew, I mean, Kate and I met in 2013 and then we've been connected over those years. And then at some point in 2019, Kate was like, do you want to do a podcast together? And my whole body, like, I will never forget the yes that my body gave on that day. You were screaming. I was screaming. It was the, the bit, one of the, the, the like second or third biggest yes I've ever given in my life saying yes to my husband being, being one of the yeses. But for me, when I think about love, why the old paradigm is painful is because it takes love out of it. Mm-hmm. it. It takes the spiritual prerogative, the essence of love, the devotion and care for the hearts of other people in your life. And it smashes it into a stupid ring. And one day that if another person says the best day of my life is my wedding day, I'm going to cry. how how could that be the best day of your life when your life is ahead of you your whole life Mm. and the and then we I mean without going into a whole rant about patriarchy and what has happened to women and and the psychology of women around desire Mm. but we were set up to tuck our love away. We are set up to see love and desire and passion and aliveness as something that is bad and wrong because we had a bunch of fairy tales with dead princesses in glass cases that could only come alive by having a partner rather than I'm just, I listen to you and like, this is a woman that's alive Hmm. And, and you don't have to become polyamory to come alive. I am alive in my marriage. My husband doesn't tell me what to do, how to feel. He is not afraid of my feelings and the permission, like you can come alive. And most of the time, I think people don't even try on their partner. Like mm. we're, we're, women are so in their heads. We, we make all these rules. We decide ahead of time what's okay and not okay based on our own limitations rather than actually checking in with the person we say we love. Hey, this is something I desire. What do you think about this? Like, this is something that's happening for me in my life. This is a desire I have. Can we actually talk about it? And in my experience, when I think of all, I mean, I'm very grateful. I am surrounded by marriages with husbands who are devoted to my friends. Like I am so grateful. That has been so healing. I am surrounded by marriages where I'm obsessed with my friends' husbands because of the way they love my best friends. Mm. But if you ask, I mean, when we're in our hearts, if you, if my husband said to me, I am no longer happy. Love is I want my partner to be happy more than I want him to be with me. Mm-hmm. And if being with me contributes to his happiness, then that's what I want. And I think probably one of the truly most selfish things we can do is stay in a relationship where I don't want that person to be happy. Mm. like where I don't accept them for who they are and I don't support how they're living their life, but I'm too afraid to let go. 
that's the only, I mean, not, without even doing like that's bad and wrong, but like that is true pain. And, and how we do that to ourselves too. Like, it's like, we do that to, and then we don't, ex- we don't fully bring ourselves to the table and like repress them, repress us. And yeah, the old paradigm is a whole lot of repression. Like you compromise, you sacrifice, you settle down. Like what, why the hell would we want to settle down? Sounds horrible. And that's, Um, I remember my, my mom or someone told me like, you're never going to have a great sex life. Like this is just marriage. You're not going to, it's going to be hard. It's going to suck. I'm like, uh, uh-uh. that's not why yeah, I'm doing that's polyamory. your story. Yeah, yeah that, I'm gonna I'm gonna burn that one. No, thank yeah. you. <laughs> Cancel deny. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah no, thank I'm you. Here to, here to break the family system patterns, and that's what you're doing so beautifully. And I, I just want to speak to for a second the labels, like yeah, because labels it, it in the beginning of becoming free, some labels give us freedom, right? Like oh, I'm polyamorous. Oh, I am a lesbian. Oh, I am this. I am that. And also, I just wanted to speak to that your desires don't have to involve labels um as well like i your your life can look however you desire it to look actually like you can you can create something that you've never seen before you've never seen anyone else do before as long as you're not harming other people (laughs) or harming yourself um but like you really actually we have the freedom to build a life that just feels good to us And so I think of, um, you know, some of my favorite love stories, including Amanda Renee, um, I have a, I have three, we had her on the podcast. I have three girlfriend, three friends who have fallen in love with women and they are not lesbians. They literally have never been attracted to a woman before, Mm -hmm. but they Mm -hmm. fell in love with a woman Mm -hmm. and they are still together years later. One, one of the couples is like been together like 21 years. Another one is like five years and they're so deeply in love. And it was, Mm. I I remember this old friend of mine, it was such a beautiful moment. We were super close at the time and she was in this relationship with this woman or no, she was friends with this woman. And the woman was in a romantic relationship with a man and it it was from another country. And she and I, um, she would just talk about this woman nonstop to the point where I started getting jealous. I was like, (laughs) like she, I was like her best friend and we were so, so close. And she'd say her name over and over and over again. I was like, oh my God. And then there was this one moment where I was staying with her and this had been going on for like six weeks and I was staying with her and she just, that her friend had just left. And then I showed up and then she was going on and on. And it was about nine o'clock at night. We've been together since 9am that morning. So 12 hours of her talking about this woman nonstop. And I even mentioned that I was jealous and she was like, Oh, she's not replacing you. Like, don't be jealous. And, and I just looked at her and said, wait a second, are you in love with her? Mm. And she hadn't told a soul, not even the woman she was, but she was like in trying to smush it down. Mm. And she looked at me and she just started sobbing and she's like, I think I am. I'm so confused. And she'd never been attracted to women before. And I was like, Oh my God, like tell her. And I'm sure she's in love with you too. Like you guys are in, have been inseparable for six weeks and, and now they've been together for five years and they're so compatible and so happy and so in love. And it's like, mm. it was such a beautiful thing to witness because I got to learn you know, before that experience, I, I, I knew other women who'd felt fallen in love with women, but I wasn't there for the story. So it didn't like to be able to watch it unfold. And I'm like, Oh, you can actually just follow your truth, your inner compass. You, 
even if it doesn't make sense to you, you can mm. just follow your desires. So yeah, just for any woman listening who, who their desires might not be to be with other people or might not, but it's just like, let this episode be permission for mm. you to follow your truth. And if you don't know your truth or you're having a hard time really rooting in it, that's when you hire one of us. <laughs> mm. Yes, literally. I yeah. love that. In, in beginning my work with women, it'll usually include, but what if there's always a, a huge fear block a little bit that we have to work through, which is what yes. if I burn my life down? Like I've heard, I've worked with so many amazing, yes. powerful women that just, ugh, right. Just incredible, incredible women. And they're so terrified. We can be so terrified that what if I lose everything? Like what, what if I do this work with you and I realize that I'm gay or I realize that I'm straight or I realize that I'm polyamorous. And I, I have a feeling that I need more and it's terrifying because I don't know who that person is. And what I say in those moments is like, good, like it makes yeah. sense that you're afraid because that means you're actually connected to something real because fear is like a little signal that means I'm awake, I'm alive and I'm, I'm awakening more. Yes. So like trust that as long as you possibly can and trust that you don't know who you are going to be on the other side of that. And that's actually a wonderful thing. Like there's opportunity there. Mm -hmm. It's scary, but we also get to be excited. We also yes. get to be turned on and hopeful about creating a new life and basing it upon joy and health and intimacy instead of all the other things that the patriarchy tells us that we need to do. Yes. And burning your old life sometimes is the best fucking medicine recipe. The thing that your soul needs, the Phoenix rising from the ashes, like your life is so out of alignment. What lives on the other side of burning that down and, and stepping into this fearful unknown is your joy, is your pleasure, is your expansiveness. You're like, everything's on the other side of that. Calcination is the first step of alchemy, which is the burning. So I'm in mysteries. I'm in a, mist a four year mystery school and our alchemy year, thanks to COVID is now two and a half years long. So we all just keep jo jo like joking. We're all in for serious transformation because apparently our group needs to study alchemy for two and a half year, a one year program in two and a half years. Wow. But, but calcination is the burning that that is the mm. fire alchemy. That's the beginning of alchemy. Yes. And so I'm so happy. And, and I, I've also joked with before, like people that have only had one dark night of the soul, like hats off to you. Like that is not my experience. Like, may you always be willing to let whatever needs to burn, burn. And now mm. we're in all spiritual prerogative of like Buddhist principle, which is the art of non-attachment. Like we, as human beings, we cling to things not changing. We cling to things staying the same. We're like, we've been trained to be afraid rather than like I, I've, I want to say to women, may you always be willing to walk away. Like that's mm -hmm. how I stay alive in my relationship. Yes, we are committed to each other. And sometimes the commitment is the thing that keeps me from acting out and just walking away. Mm -hmm. Like commitment is sacred, but also like, I, I don't ever take my husband for granted. That's how mm -hmm. our relationship stays alive. And the other thing I wanted to say, cause I've never heard anyone say it the way that you do. Um, Maria and how you just brought it in for any woman who is wanting to have a, a she's desiring partnership, right? And, and maybe that's why she's listening to the podcast and is throwing away the old paradigm and I still want a committed partnership. But you kept saying, because I wrote it down, 
the difference between attracting partners who reflect my shame Mm -hmm. versus even from the start of our episode, you said, reflect my goodness, Mm -hmm. reflect my light, see me for who I am. And you, Mm -hmm. and you've shared a lot about the process of your willingness to be that. And that's it. Like there is, there is no magical secret about attracting a partner. It's your courage to be your freaking self fully Mm -hmm. and to name all that is good and right and healthy and wonderful about you and not carry the badges of shame or, or carrying the past. And I think when I think of one aspect of my story, I mean, I wrote a love song to myself in Hawaii before I met my husband. So I did, I did reach a level of (laughs) self-love that I had never reached before, but Self-love is self-acceptance. Like if you, you can't be walking around, I mean, you can't walking around carrying shame of past and being embarrassed about something and hoping somebody never finds out Mm -hmm. and keeping yourself close and then wondering why somebody doesn't see you. And so I love, I just, I want to hear anything you want to say about for those that are desiring love, because there is something so powerful about hearing your boyfriend's letter Mm. And, and hearing this reflect my goodness, like putting Mm. on the wall what you're calling in, but I really, I circled like reflect Mm. my goodness, reflect the truth. So I don't know if you wanted to say anything about that before we end Mm. today. Yes. Oh yeah. As you were speaking, um, I felt like my body just like, yes, yes, yes. Like as both of you are speaking, my body's like responding and lighting up and feels really connected. And the last thing that you shared, just what came up in me is that I have to be willing to really heal and honor my shame. Otherwise it's going to come out and it's going to bite me in another way. Like I'm (laughs) going to find it. Like I'll I'll have an affair or I'm going to attract somebody that, you know, doesn't really want to integrate me into their world, wants to keep me a secret and, and will feed my shame. Like I have to be really willing to like embrace, hold, look at, get help with my own shame that I'm constantly clearing. Like, don't let anybody tell you all listeners, like we can arrive. Like once you do this four-step program, you will arrive and you have no more work. It's like, no, (laughs) I'm constantly clearing like, Oh, here's more shame. Oh, here's a holiday. I just found more shame on a holiday. Fantabulous. I'm going to get more help. So we constantly clear our shame. And then the more that I clear it, the more that I heal it, the more that people can see and feel my goodness, because why? Because I can see and feel my goodness. I have to see it first and then other people can reflect that. And I feel safe with them receiving it. If I'm denying my shame, I'm denying my goodness as well. And people are going to react that way to me and deny me. So the more that I embrace myself, the more that I get support, the more that I talk about what's really happening, the more that other people can receive me in my fullness and be attracted to me in my fullness and want like, oh my God, how could I not want you? Like, that's the energy that I get more times than not from a lot of people is like, how could I not love you? Like you're, you're incredible. Like your, your love I've never experienced in my life. And this is what my boyfriend tells me. And this is what my husband tells me. Like, those are my people, the people that can really get my love. And that's because I get it first. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm the best lover. I, I know I can do this. <laughs> I love the so, way I love. I love yes. the way I love, like, I, I love that affirmation. I mean, there's an invitation, like, how could anyone not want me? 
Walk yes. around with that, my friends. Yes. Like walk around with that. And yes, please go follow Maria because her boyfriend and her husband are devoted to her. And I love when you share about them. I love when you yeah. share your joy. And that's it. Like the unapologetic, I'm in my joy. And to live in a world that's saying essentially, how dare you want more? Like that's the message mm. of patriarchy. Ooh. What do you mean you want more pleasure? What do you mean you want more happiness? No, 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 no. Rather than I am going to dare myself to want more. How much happier can I be? How much more love can I feel with my partner? How much more unapologetic and fully self-expressed can I become and how good can it get? So Kate has something to say. <laughs> I have two. I have like a million questions for you, but we can talk offline. I love um, that. So my, my, okay. First question is, do you get attacked online for fully owning this, um, this new paradigm way of operating? Cause That's- it's, I mean, just, it's happening so much right now where people are getting shamed and attacked constantly for like being fully expressed. So just curious for all the people who are like, believe that's wrong and bad, or is there any, any pushback that you get or even with people in your life? Actually, the biggest pushback has been from my mother. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, no, you're not just not supposed to have sex when you're married. (laughs) Right. Exactly. You're not, that's wrong. Like, I think it really brings up a lot of her own Uh, shame and her own pain. So she honestly has a trauma response where she's like, I can't talk about this. I can't talk about it. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Like I'm trying to navigate that right now. So we're in a real tender place in our relationship where I'm not willing to hide or lie, but she's also not wanting to hide or lie. And I'm learning how do I respect people if they disagree and, and how can we be in relationship? I don't really know. I'm navigating that right now online. I never, like, I get a lot of applause and love and messages daily of like grace and gratitude. And I think it's because I've been cleaning out a lot of the shame. There's always going to maybe be a little bit because of shame that I'm always clearing, but I've cleaned so much out Yes, that people, when they receive me, it feels really good. Like when men receive me, it feels really good. When women receive me like adoration and turn on and like, it just feels great lately instead of gross, how it used to be or judgment or like seedy, all of that's not in my sphere anymore. And it feels really great. That's so amazing. And that's such a great reminder that it's just a reflection of the places in ourselves where we're still judging ourselves or like I had, I had an Instagram bully really bad last year. And it was like, he was just reflecting. It wouldn't impact me if I didn't feel the little parts of myself that were insecure or like doubting her. Mm. So it, it, it's mm-hmm. such a great reminder that like when it does happen, it's like, okay, I need to clean up my own, my own beliefs and my own limitations because it's just a reflection of that. Because even if you get the reflection, when you're standing so solidly in your truth, the reflection doesn't stick. It doesn't like people can attack and judge and it doesn't stick. It doesn't have impact when we stand solidly in our truth. So that is, but I do. Yeah. My gosh. I, cause I changed my name. That's a long story, but from, from there's been multiple iterations. I now go by my middle name and my great grandfather's um, middle name is my last name. And I had so much judgment the first time and it hurt mm. because I was still judging myself. Totally. And then by the time I changed my last name to my great grandfather's name, I like nobody judged me, but because I was like, Oh, I don't give a fuck what you think. Like, this mm. is my name. So there, it's like when we get in alignment with our truth, 
other people do too. And even if they don't, it really doesn't hurt because we feel it so wholeheartedly. So that's beautiful. And then even just your mom, like, of course, it's a reflection of her own pain and her own, you know, limitations she puts on herself because of the religion and her upbringing and all of that. So like other people's opinions about us is not really about us to begin with. Yeah, you know, and there's still grief. It doesn't, even if people, even if I am in agreement of me being polyamorous and and I believe that it's healthy and I believe that it's whole, it's still painful if someone Mm. that I love just invalidates or says that it's wrong or I don't want to hear it just because I want to be loved fully for who I am and I want to be able to share my entire life. Like, I want to be able to share my boyfriend with my mother, like, tell her Uh, about him and, like, from them to me because I love them both and they're so important to me. And there's a part of my heart that does feel like, ooh, like, I want want my family to be able to embrace polyamory, but it's just, like, in being gay or all the things. It's, like, it it can happen. It can take people time to really understand so I am navigating that little tenderness and, and yeah. how I do that is saying it's okay for me to feel tenderness. It's okay for me to feel sad while also feeling angry and mad and hateful in a way. And like, I'm allowing myself to have all of these feelings right now mm-hmm. as I navigate that instead of saying, well, I have to be okay with this. I have to accept this or everything has to be fine. I yeah. feel like for me, healthy relationship is really allowing it to be bumpy. Totally. And maybe there's and it, space. It's so true. And of course you want your friends and your family to love and accept all of you. I mean, I think that's at the core of what we all want. So yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. And then my, uh, my other questions is another technical question, but does your boyfriend <laughs> yeah. have a wife or a girlfriend or actually, you know, this is wild. So I'm open with my husband. So that means that my husband, and I will see other people open and free to, to connect to whomever I'm open and free to connect to whomever but Nick and I actually are monogamous which means that I only see my husband Nick doesn't see anybody else and that's really working for us right now because we decided to deepen and focus on each other instead of deepening and focusing our energy outward because even though I have the capacity to love deeply to be turned on to like I can maybe who knows how many people that I can love. Like I can love a lot of people, but the actual <laughs> relationship is different. The capacity for creating life with someone is different. So we're just making sure that our relationship feels really solid if and when we ever consider dating or being with other people. Our goal is to, it's again, to deepen and being with other people is really secondary. That's um, so cool. And has he been mm-hmm. polyamorous before? He has. He hasn't, I think he hasn't been polyamorous as long as I have. I think a few years, at least two years two three years he was dating he had multiple relationships and it was his value as well and I feel like that's one of the reasons why our relationship works so well is that he's just really he has the value it's not like he's not doing it because he's bored or he's you know wanting love or he's doing it because polyamory feels correct sharing me with my husband feels right for him um so I think that's what makes it work versus I dated a lot of people who were like, I don't know if I'm polyamorous, you know, that's like, which is cool, but I don't want to be someone's like guinea pig, you know, like, and I think women kind of do that. Like, I don't know if I really love you. Can I try you out for six months? <laughs> you know, it's like, nope, you can't try this baby out. You're either in or you're out. <laughs> yes. Kate, you're so freaking cute. <laughs> like, so, but I'm sure everyone else wants to know that. Like, I love that you're asking these questions. I love it. And, you know, I'm realizing with this, I love the way I love. Like, mm-hmm. may everyone try that on, you know, mm-hmm. and this play, and may my love include myself. 
right? Like I, I think we've all three of us work with women who have certainly given themselves away, lost themselves in relationship and they're finding the path home. And with that said, you know, I'm realizing as I'm listening to you, like how deeply I love my ex-boyfriends. Mm. Like, like I'm really sitting with like, wow, like I, I feel clean at like clean and clear. I love them and loving them doesn't take away from the love yes. with my husband and just coming back to the old paradigm, which is not, nothing to do with love. Like the old paradigm in the fairy tale is destroyed love. That is not love, but this permission for I'm allowed to like, without this deep, the way you're deepening in polyamory, like we all are already living love for multiple people. Mm. Like, I don't love my friends. Like I don't have a certain amount of love. I give Kate and a certain amount of love. I give my friend Kelly, like we all are already practicing love. Yes. And inside the old paradigm, it says you have to lock it down and shut it out and save it for only one person. And then my God demands so much from only mm. one person and, and offer none of your love to yourself. But I'm, I'm curious because you, you have this epic program coming and, the, and I really just sat with that, like that permission to love all of your past lovers like, and the recognition that love is not enough to partner with someone. Because inside, like the old paradigm sets it up that if love is a secret special thing that you only have to offer one person and expect from so much, like then that's why we don't ever give ourselves permission to walk away or actually then don't know how to do the real work of how do I determine who is safe for me to partner with and who is right for me. There is no education on how to choose a partner. Like that's why I'm super passionate about what I do. That's the work, learning how to do healthy relationship. But do you want to say anything about Alchemize heartache? Yes, yes. Um, so I work with women in groups, um, like throughout the year, three to six months. And I'm also now creating downloadable programs for people to be able to work on, on their leisure, like videos and curriculum and content and going to do live calls through these programs. And the one that I'm writing right now, because there's been a lot of desire and I've been receiving a lot of requests around is alchemizing heartache, which means that like my heartache doesn't have to get in the way anymore of love. Like it doesn't have to be a reason that I deny myself or protect myself. It doesn't have to be a reason that I hold back or that I had the story that no man will ever love me or nor, nor no women will, will ever love me. Like my heartache actually gets to be something that people get to hold and love and treasure about me and like hold me when I'm crying and like see me in the mess and enjoy it instead of deny me, refuse me, um, reject me. The work that I'm teaching in this program is how do I support my own heartache so then others can actually be attracted to my beauty and my truth without me denying, ignoring, or holding back the, the, like the authenticity of the wholeness of who I am. Because I feel like as in women, times we get into relationships and we're like, oh, this is who I am. Yeah, like I'm perfect. And I work out like five days a week and I meditate three days and it's just great. And I feel very aligned and- <laughs> And which is wonderful, <laughs> you know, but it's like, what about the vulnerability of like, right. Yeah, right. I'm with you right now. And I just had an orgasm and I feel like I'm going to die and I need space. Like the other day I was actually in bed with my boyfriend and we had just had sex and I, and I actually said, I need space. And like, he was able to like, look at me and give me space because he said he knew that it was about me and not about him. It could have easily turned into a fight 
Like what, like, what do you mean? Like, ah. but in the, in the work that I'm teaching now, it's, it's about how can I create space and let myself be who I am now and create space around it instead of denying love until I'm ready. You know, just because I've had a lot of heartbreak in my life doesn't mean that I don't get to have love. It's like, yep, you get to have love because of that, because it's actually created you into the lover that you are now. Wow. So good. So how can everybody find you? Where yeah. can everybody play and be immersed in your work? Well, um, the, the program will be downloadable through mariapalumbo.com, which I hope people will get that name and stuff. So you can, you can spell it mariapalumbo.com. And then my Facebook is a great way to follow me um, to receive my content. You can sign up for my newsletter. I tend to be incredibly honest and vulnerable because I feel like my work as a leader and teacher with like the countless amount of people and couples that I help is to make that I'm doing the work too. So in my content, I'll always walk alongside of you and you will see like how I'm healing my own trauma. So you will get permission and confidence to heal your own as well. Thank you so much. Oh my God. Thank you. This is so good. Oh my God. Kate, do, you do, this do you have any, la- any last technical questions? Uh, so, so many. <laughs> we should I have like feel- a technical, like just episode, yeah, like yes. give you all the yeah. technical. We'll do like part two, mm-hmm. the real technical. This is how they have sex and how many times <laughs> and like how often do you see your husband versus your boyfriend? <laughs> Seriously, that stuff, I would love to. Well, that's a good one. How I mean, often maybe do you see your husband Facebook? and your boyfriend? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so right now I see Nick like three times a week and I see my husband on the other days. So I'll stay with Steve on the days that I'm not seeing Nick. We do like weekends together. Um, we'll hang out. We'll again, go to the park. I, lo- I really love when they're together. Like I love that feeling of togetherness and them caring about each other. And I'm making space for that friendship to grow. Like, cause that just fills up my heart. Um, but yeah, I love having one-on-one alone time with them both too. And just creating relationship outside of each other. When do you get time with yourself? I have like one or two days, maybe (laughs) of of alone time. And I actually schedule days in Airbnb because of COVID every time that I've scheduled an Airbnb, like people have literally passed on and like, there's been so many things happening where I haven't been able to dive fully into me and my alone time that I would like. But that's on my radar is and to make sure I have at least like four days a month of by myself writing at an Airbnb. Oh, and that just fuels me. Mm. And then I'll have like one night a week usually where it'll be just me. Wait, what's your human design? Do you know? I don't. I, I'm curious about that. I, I'm not we'll in it. it I want to know. We'll look it up for you. If you know your time of birth, just I'm like, you must be a manifesting generator. Like, I don't think a projector would have the kind of energy to have that many manifesting generator. People have called me that. I think that sounds familiar. <laughs> that's, what Kath- that's what Catherine is. It's the powerful energy type. But yeah. Oh, my gosh. My questions are endless. But thank you so much for your openness and your vulnerability and your truth. And you're just like, just so many incredible nuggets of gold in this episode. Mm. So may you listen over and over and over again. I will. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's such an honor to have you on and you do remind me quite a lot of Amanda too. So I can tell that you (laughs) work together. Oh yeah. Yeah. Amanda was a dear friend of mine. She was, she was actually a client of mine in the beginning. And then I was like, we need to work together after she was no longer a client. And we created this amazing work together. And uh, I just think that's a gift. Thank you for saying Mm. that. And it's been a gift being on this podcast, you both are like 
your energy is exquisite and I just <laughs> I, I can't wait to do this again in person maybe one day yes yes, yes. Mm. thank you thank you thank you and for all of the women listening you know it means so much to us when you share these episodes with your friends when you come hang out with us in the new truth movement facebook group and let us know the impact these episodes have on you we love getting messages we'll make sure all of the links on how to follow maria and be in touch with her work is listed below no matter where you're listening from and thank you maria for your magic (laughs) for your magic today and your wisdom we're so grateful oh honor thank you hi it's kate thanks so much for listening to the new truth podcast for more of Catherine and I come hang out with us in the new truth movement facebook group we are in there that's where we're sharing all about our programs and our free workshops that we do Um, you can come join us there and ask as many questions as you want about the podcast episodes about dating relationships any struggles you're having out there we would love to support you so come hang out with us in the new truth movement facebook group and we will see you soon